obesity, a condition in which enough excess body fat has been accumulated to cause medical issues, is a serious concern around the world. Approximately 12% of the global population is obese, and obesity is the third most common preventable cause of death behind medical malpractice and tobacco smoking. Obesity can put an individual at risk of death from cardiovascular disease, respiratory diseases, stroke, diabetes, and even cancer. By far, the nation with the highest obesity rate is the Pacific Island nation of Nauru, where 72% of people are obese and 95% are overweight. The Pacific has a very clear obesity crisis, as evidenced by the fact that the 10 countries with the highest obesity rates are all Pacific Island nations. Nauru, the Cook Islands, Palau, the Marshall Islands, Tuvalu, Niue, Tonga, Samoa, Kiribati, and the Federated States of Micronesia. Kuwait is next at number 11, and, perhaps unsurprisingly, the United States comes in at number 12 on the list of the most obese nations in the world. As many as 43% of Americans are obese, while 74% are overweight. This is primarily due to the notoriously caloric diet of most Americans, with heavy emphasis on meat, dairy, and carbohydrates. The U.S. also struggles with childhood obesity, as almost 21% of American children and teens are obese. In 2011, the Obama administration established the Task Force on Childhood Obesity. The task force found that the insufficient nutritional value found in school lunches was a primary cause of the childhood obesity crisis. For anyone else who grew up eating American public school lunches, this might make sense. It makes even more sense when you consider that, in 2011, Congress officially declared that pizza was a vegetable. The idea of pizza being a vegetable may sound absurd, and that's because it is. The rationale behind this idea can be traced back to the Omnibus Reconciliation Act of 1981. In this bill, the U.S. Food and Nutrition Service, a subdepartment of the Department of Agriculture, proposed several ideas to keep school meal costs low in the wake of massive budget cuts to the education sector. Among these suggestions were replacing half of a meal's meat requirement with peanut butter due to its protein content, and utilizing pasta, crackers, and cereal to fill the bread requirement, as these foods all contain whole grain flour. Perhaps the most weird rule change from this proposal was the inclusion of vegetable condiments as a substitute for fresh vegetables. Weirder still was the minimum amount of such a condiment that could be considered a serving of vegetables, a mere two tablespoons. Although pickle relish was the only condiment specified in the new regulations, the law essentially declared that two tablespoons of ketchup constituted a serving of vegetables for a school lunch. Also included in this definition was tomato puree, meaning that the U.S. government basically implied that a slice of pizza topped with two tablespoons of tomato sauce was a vegetable. This was affirmed in 2011 when Congress blocked an effort by the Department of Agriculture to raise the minimum condiment requirement to half a cup. But wait, you might say, tomatoes are a fruit, not a vegetable. Well, botanically speaking, you would be correct to say that. 
However, the US government doesn't necessarily see it that way, and to understand why, we need to go back over a hundred years to a seemingly insignificant Supreme Court case. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 44th episode of this podcast, and I hope you're excited to hear it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. In 1839, Manhattan businessman John Nix founded John Nix & Company, a produce wholesale corporation. John Nix & Company soon became one of the largest sellers of produce in all of New York City due to the company's successful business model of importing produce from the Caribbean and exporting it to Europe. When the Civil War broke out in 1865, the U.S. government needed money to fund the war effort. As a result, Congress passed the Morrill Tariff on March 2, 1861. For those who don't know, a tariff is a tax on foreign goods imported to and exported from the United States. At the time, the Morrill Tariff was the second largest tariff in U.S. history after the 1828 Tariff of Abominations. The Morrill Tariff led the U.S. into an unprecedented era of protectionism, as a slew of tariffs were enacted by President Abraham Lincoln throughout the course of the Civil War. One type of goods severely affected by these tariffs was produce. This caused John Nix and company to lose substantial amounts of money to taxes. And unfortunately for the company, the tariffs did not end after the Civil War. With the exception of Andrew Johnson, Lincoln's Democratic vice president who succeeded Lincoln after his assassination in 1865, the post-Civil War period was dominated by Republican presidents. At the time, the Morrill Tariff was favored by most Republican politicians who believed that the tariff would support domestic industrial growth. The main exception to this rule was Republican Ohio Representative James Garfield. A staunch supporter of free trade, Garfield was elected president in 1881 on a platform of repealing the Morrill Tariff. However, all hopes of repealing the tariff were shattered on September 19, 1881, when Garfield succumbed to his wounds from an assassination attempt three months prior. Garfield's vice president, Chester A. Arthur, became president following Garfield's death. Arthur was much less adamant about repealing the Morrill Tariff, and in 1883, he proposed a tariff revision that would just barely lower tariff rates. When this new tariff was implemented, it didn't do much good for John Nixon Company, as imported vegetables were still subject to a 10% tax. 
However, in 1887, John Nix discovered a loophole in the tariff. Although vegetables were to be taxed under the tariff, the same did not apply to fruits. And as most of the produce his company imported was tomatoes, Nix believed that his tomato shipments had been unjustly taxed under the tariff. In late 1887, Nix filed a lawsuit against Edward Hedden, the collector of customs at the Port of New York, in the hopes of collecting back taxes that he had paid over the previous four years. Later that year, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York ruled in favor of Hedden, stating that tomatoes are a vegetable. Nix then appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, which again ruled in favor of Hedden. On April 24, 1893, the case was accepted by the U.S. Supreme Court with the question, are tomatoes considered as provisions to be classified as vegetables or as fruit within the meaning of the Tariff Act of 1883? When Nix v. Hedden went to trial before the Supreme Court, Nix first cited the definitions of fruit and vegetable from Webster's Dictionary. Just for fun, I'll repeat these definitions here. FYI, if you ever do any sort of academic or professional writing, please never use the Webster's Dictionary Defines intro. With that said, <clears throat> Webster's Dictionary defines a fruit as, quote, the usually edible reproductive body of a seed plant, and a vegetable as, quote, a usually herbaceous plant grown for an edible part that is usually eaten as part of a meal. Yes, these definitions were actually read aloud during a Supreme Court case. Based on these definitions, tomatoes are very clearly a fruit. Tomatoes have a seed-bearing structure, and they aren't particularly herbaceous. That is, tomato leaves can't function as herbs. In spite of this evidence presented by Nix, Hedden argued that tomatoes are still a vegetable as, and this was an actual argument presented, they are usually served as a main course as opposed to a dessert. In other words, Hedden's argument is that, although tomatoes are botanically considered fruits, they are contextually seen as vegetables. On May 10, 1893, the Supreme Court returned its verdict. In a unanimous 9-0 decision led by Associate Justice Horace Gray, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Edward Hedden. As a result of this decision, the Supreme Court held that tomatoes, for all intents and purposes, are vegetables, because they are usually consumed, as I mentioned earlier, in a similar manner to other vegetables. The court also ruled that, for future cases, quote, the court is bound to take judicial notice of the ordinary meaning of all words in our own tongue, and upon such a question of dictionaries are admitted not as evidence, but only as aids to the memory and understanding of the court. The tomato controversy did not end with Nix versus Hedden. In 1937, the League of Nations officially classified tomatoes, as well as all other edible plants, as vegetables. But in 2001, the European Union shocked the world when it issued a directive that classifies tomatoes, as well as plants such as carrots, sweet potatoes, and cucumbers, as fruits. 
This decision was widely condemned by Europeans, as it allowed the value-added tax on fruit-based jams to be applied to jams made from any of the aforementioned plants. In 2005, the state of New Jersey declared the tomato its state vegetable, citing Nix v. Hedden as a precedent. Tennessee and Ohio soon struck back against the decision, with each state declaring the tomato its state fruit. A similar, albeit unrelated, controversy arose in 1991 when British snack food brand McVitie's successfully argued that Jaffa Cakes, a popular chocolate and orange treat, are cakes as opposed to cookies. This decision allowed McVitie's to dodge a value-added tax issued by the British government on all cookie sales. Ultimately, the most demonstrable impact of Nix versus Hedden was on school lunches in the United States. Backed by the erroneous classification of tomatoes as vegetables, the U.S. Food and Nutrition Service was able to declare ketchup, and by extension, pizza, vegetables. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. This was certainly a strange topic, but then again, sometimes you need to talk about the strange in order to talk about the obscure. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash historia obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.